<laughs> there's two kinds of people that ride, ride bikes. There's the ones that take it seriously, mm. right? They wear all the lycra, they wear the fucking stupid sunglasses and the fucking aerodynamic helmets and have bikes made out of fucking um, polyurethane. I don't know, some fucking light aerodynamic shit. Mm -hmm. And then there's the cooked cunt that can't drive, <laughs> that rides a bike and that you don't want to lock eye contact with because they're on the way to score drugs. Yeah. You know? Yeah, well, no. Which of those two do you think you're the closest to a king? Uh, like? Well, you know, I'm definitely leaning more on the cooked cunt side. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, um, welcome to, welcome to Movie Butts. Um, this is the third episode in our series of three, which is a bit of a difference. Um, I'm Arnie Joe. This is, uh, this is Racist Dane, as I'm ordaining now. Is this... <laughs> um, for no particular reason, other than I think he's a racist cunt. He calls me Racist Dane, actually. It's, it's meant to be ironic. It's like little John. Yeah. He introduces me to people as Racist Dane. And yeah. then clarifies it's, that it's because I'm so unracist. Well, no, it's because you're racist. But let's just, let's ignore that for now. Did, have I ever told you about how I used to get introduced as Gay Joe? What? <laughs> so, so I had a friend. She was this really, she was a sweetheart, but she was a bit thick. She wasn't the sharpest tool in the shed. And I'm in a country town, right? So, you know, I'm gay and, uh, well, you know. Pansexual, whatever the fuck you want to call it. I like boys. Um, and, you know, she found out I was gay and I was her friend. I was her first and only gay friend at the time. And I mm. guess that was the most interesting thing about me to her because she started introducing me to people as Gay Joe. This is my friend, Gay Joe. Oh. I had to, I literally had to take her aside and go, hey, hey, uh, non-specific name. Um, yeah. Can you not? call me that please like i don't want that to stick like the last thing i want is for my nickname to be gay joe like that that fucking sucks yeah oh, and it, she did, didn't and it didn't comprehend say... she's like but you're gay you're gay joe i'm like no there is more I'm, to me i'm a human being <laughs> you know do you want me to start calling you bitch luann yeah, basically, dumb Amy, is... you know, like, because <laughs> it doesn't feel good, you know? Yeah. Anyway, um, this is a, this, this is a podcast where we basically do a bunch of math. Uh, we take the Metacritic, the uh, Rotten Tomatoes audience and critic score, the box office, the budget, I put it into a big spreadsheet and I basically do out some averages, including uh, adjustment for inflation and the amount of reviews to kind of balance it all out. And we determine the best and worst and we talk about them both and figure out why one worked and one might not. Um, this is a bit different because we're doing three and they're all good. So it's kind of hard to really talk about them as the best and the worst, if you know what I mean. Yeah. But um, this one is uh, Pusher 3 and it's the one that's smack bang in the middle. It's... Um, quite close to the recognition of Pusher 2. However, Pusher 2 has that rare 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is kind of pushing it above. And uh, Pusher 1 has the disadvantage of having a bit more of a critical... Uh, more people have seen it and more people have given opinions, which has lowered the critical score. Um, 
What's the plot synopsis of Pusher 3, Dane? Well, this one uh, I felt like was was like the first two combined in that it is a bit of a character study, but like the first one, how it's um, about a drug deal gone bad and then a week in the life of the main character. This one is a day in the life and um, it's about Milo who's the kingpin from the first film. <clears throat> and um, it's about his chaotic day, which involves uh, a drug deal gone bad. But we also get to... Uh, we get a look inside the mind of of this, this old fellow. Um, yeah, I think that's decent. What do you reckon? Yeah, so basically it starts... Uh, I'll, uh, let, let me give it a crack. It starts with him getting a shipment of drugs that he didn't order, and uh, it's him trying to balance his drug addiction, his daughter's birthday, and basically trying to sort out his fucking drug-dealing problems, his business problems. He's trying to balance them all in one day, and <clears throat> they all start to kind of crumble around him a little bit. Yeah, so it opens with him at... Uh, an NA meeting. Milo's trying to kick the habit. He's, um, it's the day of his, his daughter's birth, birthday. And, um, he's been five days sober. And at the beginning, he says that it's, um, uh, it's, uh, he, he wants to kind of get his shit together. Because, um, something about his daughter, like maybe she's going to have a grandchild or something. I don't know. He says he wants to do it for his daughter, which is kind of a bit weird because she's 25. So if you're not doing it for her when she's a child or anything, um, you know, but, but whatever. He basically, he, he wants to, he wants to get his shit together. Um, yeah. And then he has the, uh his shipment go wrong is that how it goes yeah so he um he gets ecstasy instead of heroin he's a heroin dealer and a heroin junkie yeah but he gets ecstasy tablets and he's kind of out of his depth you know as soon as he, he got really as soon as do. he got the ecstasy tablets um i thought okay this one is going to be about a generation gap uh no sorry yep. like a Generation versus generation, because the ecstasy is like uh, the new drug, I guess. Mm, heroin is so the seventies. Yeah, and ecstasy is a uh, a young 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 people's drug, and he has no idea what to do with it. Um, I did. I, I don't think that this film is um, very subtle about the you know the thing with the theme of um, you know him being a a relic of the past almost like he's a he's he's over the hill Hmm. i mean because that's well i don't think the second one is very subtle with its theme either no it's it's more necessarily a bad more subtle than this one uh there were a few times like when like when um the young guy says to him yeah with the new generation coming through, you're an I'm old I'm the king man. of Copenhagen. Yeah, that... Who are you? Yeah, 
that was, I think a bit, that was a bit on the nose for me. Mm. I was like, yeah, I get it. I know. I get it. You don't have to for, literally say it to me. Before we get too much into details, what did you think of this film overall? Um, overall, I really liked it. It's probably my least favorite. All right. I would agree. Like, I remember really liking this one. The first time I saw it when I was a lot younger, um, I, I liked Milo as a character and I thought it was an interesting perspective to take on these films. Mm. I thought, like, each one got more daring for the perspective. You know, like, again, the conventions of the first film and then you take a character that's so such a cipher and so why the hell would we want to know more about Tony? Yeah. And then, we, you know, we fall in love with Tony and we're told an int- a very interesting story through him. And then we get thrown into this, the essentially the villain of the first film. Um, it's very brave and very bold mm. uh, to do that. Um, the first time I watched it, I liked it a lot. This time, I was a bit more middle ground with this one. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, didn't, I don't love this one mm-hmm. as much as I like the other two. Yeah. Um... It feels it feels closer to you know we were talking about how uh, Nicholas Winding Refn had to make these films because the first uh, because his films in America didn't work he had to come back and tread new ground right yeah this one feels like he kind of this one's kind of the one that feels a bit forced if you know what I mean yeah <clears throat> yeah like he didn't. He wasn't so inspired to do it. You know, like it's still it's still an interesting story and it's like it's like this is a bonus episode in our podcast. This feels like a this feels like a bonus for fans of the t- first two films. Yeah, I'd agree with that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of like, "Oh, you like this? Okay, we'll give you one more. You'll <laughs> enjoy it for what it is." Yeah, it's it's like getting um, it's like getting really high quality DLC. Basically, yeah, it's like getting DLC or getting a direct-to-video sequel, but like a really good one. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I liked it, but it just didn't feel necessary. There was nothing really new that I got from this that I didn't already get from the first two. You know? <clears throat> no, I mean, like, and and with the second one, like with the first one, we get the, 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 the racy plot and the you know tension and everything and with the second one we get the character study the coming of age story with this one um it feels like it feels like a a character study again but more like a fuck it feels like like a really long drawn out unfunny sketch almost like it's a series of uh events gone wrong like him just being like oh today is my daughter's birthday and uh i'm really nervous because i'm cooking for 50 people but then all this other shit just goes wrong and it's a big chaos and he's and he's just like oh no i'm nervous about cooking for my daughter but now i've got to now i've like murdered someone you know and it sounds more like the than the other two that it should be funny but i actually found it not only the least funny of the trilogy, but not funny at all. There was, I think, deliberately no humor in it. Yeah, there's no humor in this one at all. I found this one the least, like, the most inconsequential. 
Like yeah, it was just like a a day in the life of like a guy who's having a particularly bad day and, and for him. But yeah, like you said, in inconsequential, really. But the thing like the thing is like with the first one again it's very plot driven there's there's very clear consequences uh to things not happening and happening and all these things with the second one we get a character that we kind of want to see succeed we want to see him win right mm-hmm. but yet with this one i never really felt that he was in any real danger right well, I you know felt, what I mean? Yeah. Like even 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 when he owes these people money mm-hmm. and they're using his place, he never really felt on the back seat. And as soon as something goes wrong, he just picks up a fucking hammer and kills them. Yeah, because that's who he is. I felt like he's a boss. He's a boss motherfucker who does all this stuff, which is cool. I like the character, but I don't know. Like I, I didn't really feel. Like I was seeing him change or him grow, mm-hmm. but I also wasn't giving the given the pot of the first one. So I don't know. It just it just really felt superfluous and pointless. I don't know. Yeah, I I mean I felt it kept me on the edge of the my seat. A slight exaggeration, but it kept me interested because oh yeah no no I did like, wanna... don't get me wrong I enjoy this film. Mm. It just seems unnecessary i thought that um there was every chance that he could die at the end of it because there are those threats i mean i wouldn't surprise me if it ended with him having a heart attack because his health is just fucked sure um it wouldn't surprise me if these um younger gangsters end up killing him because that's also a constant threat um but also i wouldn't have felt like that was surprising. That just seems like that would have been uh, natural to the line of work he's in. Uh, yeah, like a very natural thing to happen. So if the film ended with him dead, I wouldn't have been sad. Like if the second one ended up with Tony being dead, I would have been sad. If yeah, this one ended up with him, him away. with a bullet in his head or he had a heart attack and fell in his pool or whatever, I just would have been like, oh, okay, I guess he died at the end. Uh, the fact that he didn't, I was like, okay, I guess he didn't. And it was Yeah, but this one but this one the ending is less ambiguous and more just like it's more just like nothing. Well that just happened. Well it's over now. Yeah. yeah. Which is like interesting the first in a way. One, it's that, ambiguous. that it at the end nothing changes. He's still the same dude. Um in fact it's almost like a reversal. We at the beginning of the film he's trying to make something better of himself. Uh, you know, he's, he's, he's getting clean. He's been sober for five days. And actually, um, what I noticed is a, is a, is a constant clash between family values or, uh, moral values and, um, business, uh, Mm. like the scene where he's, he's negotiating, uh, dope prices between him and his daughter. And he's, uh, it's that clash between, family and business and he's clearly a bit uncomfortable with how it goes and if anything it might be about um a guy trying also trying to find a way out of this life not not physically or literally but kind of within himself he wants that balance he wants to have um 
you know, a good, uh, wholehearted, traditional type family going, but he also wants to be this drug kingpin. And by the end, he realizes that he can only have one. I forget what the fuck my point was when I started talking, but did any of that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. Um, I don't know, like, for me, the best things that I got from this film is I, I liked... It's kind of... It rewards you if you were paying attention in the first two films, this one. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There's, like, fan service. Um, I can't believe I'm talking about fan service in, in the fucking Pusher <laughs> trilogy. But... There's karma. There's like a, a sense of karma and just desserts in this film. Like things happened to him mm. that was almost the undoing of the previous characters. Mm. And even to a point where he was involved, he was on the other end of this. Do you know what I mean? Like the drugs being wrong or the drugs getting flushed down the toilet or yeah. an accident happening and getting in debt. These are all things that he was kind of outside of in the first two films judging yep. and now he's thrown in so i kind of found it nice and cathartic to see him kind of get it get it back a little bit yeah. um which i liked but but yeah i don't know just i guess i guess the clearest thing as you said is it's about the new versus the old but it doesn't really resolve that at all no and it's not the but but also I think it like so the, it does leave you with that uh, there is that feeling the whole way through of like these young guys are gonna kill him um, mm. and in the end they don't and he gets the one up and remains the king but it ends with him looking into his empty pool and I think having to acknowledge that even though he got out on top on this one, he's still getting old and he's, you know, one day it's going to happen. It's running out. Yeah. Yeah. Although I don't think that that message is as powerful as the Nicholas Winding Refn would have liked it to be. Well, I think, you know, sometimes there is, there's, um, there's being subtle, mm. there's being not subtle, and then there's sometimes not giving enough information to be concise. Mm -hmm. um, I know you're saying this one's a bit more obvious, but if anything, I wanted a bit more mm. to kind of push me through. Like, I, I understand where you got this from, but I didn't... It's only now that you're saying it to me that I'm like, yeah, that's, that's probably what he was getting at with this. I personally would have liked more of the subtlety from the first and the second one to help make me feel what he's trying to say rather than being shown it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that's another place where it really lets me down. Well, that's why I think that <clears throat> it has lines like, you're an old man, the new generations coming through are in there because the, the, the film itself doesn't emphasize on that enough to make it obvious mm. so there have to be you know little jabs in the shoulder to make you go oh okay yeah because well, it's he clearly uh, like do you think it's obvious that he wasn't as confident with this one as he was with the first two that's how i felt yeah i think with the second yeah. one 
he, he either had a really good idea and was really excited to put it together or just in production, it all started to come together really well. Wait, which one's this? The second one. Uh, yeah, I think he lucked out that he had a story that worked. And also Mads Mikkelsen, no disrespect to the lead actor in the third one, he's good, but Mads Mikkelsen is really good. Mm. Um, it's Yeah, it's serendipitous that he got Mads, he had to revive his series, and he happened to have a good story idea that fit within that world. Mm. Yeah, this one kind of, I don't know, it's kind of cliche, it's kind of what you'd expect this guy's story to be and doesn't take it in a new direction like the second one did. Yeah. It's like you said, it's kind of a mix of the first two. It's kind of treading water in that way. And it, it, I feel like I'm giving it shit. Like, I really like this film. It's enjoyable to watch. Mm. It's a good experience to hang out with these characters. It's good to see where they are. Mm. But... But with the first two... Yeah, but with the first two, the main characters, these are life changing uh moments for them mm. uh like it changes the people that they are or at least uh, i think for the, tony in the second one it changes the person who he is and for frank in the first one it changes uh what his life is basically but yeah in this one it's just more a day in the life of milo and and just a particularly bad day yeah and it not, makes not, you yeah, think it could have been called Pusher Three. Milo has a particularly bad day. Yeah, yeah, it's just. A um, bad I've day seen for Milo. There, there are a few movies that I quite like. One of my favorite movies is one called About Schmidt. I don't know if you've seen About Schmidt, yeah. but um, it's got Jack Nicholson in it. It's directed by Alexander Payne. Really good film. Really good director. But it's about a character who his is at the end of his life and is reflecting on it and realizes that he's kind of wasted it. And it kind of has that kind of perspective that's very interesting. It's, it's a, you know, it's kind of watching the twilight of someone's life, someone who's realizing, oh, I didn't really do what I set out to do. Mm. And it's cathartic and it's interesting and it's a nice perspective. This film could have taken a similar direction, but it just didn't. Mm. You know what I mean? So I've seen stories like this, kind of like this, done better. So, I don't know, it just... Yeah, it felt like that's what it was supposed to be. Kind of trying to do, but it, it didn't mm. commit to it. No. Um, and, yeah. But it still is kind of interesting because maybe, um, you know, it's not a good sign if I'm having to, like, f you know, think about what the, what the film's about. Because... Not for a film like this. No, yeah, because... How I see this to be quite similar to the first one, and not just how the first one takes place over the course of a week, and this one's over the course of a day, but also I felt like with the first one, it was um, meant to be, and this isn't saying that this is what Winding Refn meant to do, but with the character within himself, within a humane story or a humane person would do, is it's meant to be about them, uh, you know, giving up their criminal ways or becoming a better or becoming a better person, um, mm -hmm. and he and he doesn't. But then what what the first pusher has instead of that is 
the the thrilling Heist. the thrilling story. Yeah, it's got it's got high stakes and it's got a lot of tension. This one doesn't have a lot of tension because even if something bad happens to this guy, it feels like it was about to happen anyway. But it it has that same it gave me that same feeling like uh in the same way that it felt like Frank was meant to have more of a bond with that woman and it's his criminal lifestyle fighting against his desire to be warm and loving. It felt like this guy was, you know, he had a desire to be closer to his family and, and less cold, um, and, and more open and caring, but then his criminal lifestyle was stopping him from doing that. But it was so Mm. heavy that it was also stopping the film from exploring that any further than just beyond awkward conversations with his daughter that Mm. last for a brief minute where he says, where they're negotiating dope prices. And he goes, when do we talk like this? And then she just pulls a smug face. And then he's like, okay, we do it for that price. And then we just move on. He's back to just being a gangster and it it doesn't go any further. It's just like, there's this really kind, not really thrilling, but there's a scene where he's kind of stuck watching this woman get sold into pretty much fucking slavery. Mm. And then he casually just walks across the road and picks up some fucking pork. You know, like just everything seems so inconsequential. It's just, it's, but then he also, he's not really taking it seriously either. But then he also ends up saving that woman. Yeah. I don't know. But then also, I didn't know if he was saving that woman because he felt for her or because he wanted an excuse to kill that guy because he was being disrespectful for him. To, yeah, towards it's him. his pride. Or he it was, also it was... was like, don't don't kill this woman in my shop. You'll make no, a mess. No, it, it had nothing to do with the woman. It was his pride. It was They were treating him like garbage in his kingdom. Mm-hmm. So he had an excuse to take them out. Yeah. That's what it was. I mean, I don't think, I don't really think, you know, like, even though they kind of set it up with it, it's his daughter's birthday and it's her birthday as well. Well, I got from it that it was because he was being disrespected. Yeah, because I was just thinking about the fact that this woman that um, these guys are trying to sell into prostitution against, very much against her will, obviously against her will, um, in his cafe. Um, I mean, again, that's a bit on the nose too, uh, that it happens to be her birthday as well on the same day of his daughters. And I mean, he mm-hmm. even gives her a piece of his daughter's birthday cake with a candle in it. Um, so it's because of moments like that, that I kept am- anticipating a turn like Tony, um, mm. that kind of always was, um, felt like it was about to happen and then just didn't. And now I'm wondering if that was the point, if that was the intent that for Nicholas Winding Refn to get us into that frame of mind of we're expecting a turn and then it just doesn't happen and to sort of create a similar feeling of anxiety like he did in the first one where we were you know, anxiously waiting for Frank to fix it. And then he just doesn't, and he keeps disappointing us. It's sort of a similar thing here. 
So it's kind of like in the first one, it's about someone getting eaten by this world. Mm. In the second one, it's about someone breaking free of this world. Mm. And in this one, it's kind of someone thriving in this world. Yeah, kind of, yeah. Three sides of a triangle, I guess. They're all different. Mm. I, I at least think that that's what he was going for. And it's why I don't know why what I he was going for. That's, really... that's my issue with this one. Yeah, yeah. I, clearly, I don't. I, I'm trying to figure it out. There's a few, there's a few different things, and that's I think why it sounds like we're being so critical of it, because it's still really entertaining, but yeah. it just doesn't hit the mark like the first. Like two. this it film feels shits like... over crap like the Joker. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that movie's like last year's darling. Everyone loves Joker. Right. And this film's like a million times better, but we still, it, it's so rich and it's so, such a delight and such a treat mm. that we like to discuss it and like to figure out what, what it is. Yeah, you know even I mean? though I don't know exactly what it's going for, uh, it's still a series of moments that are enjoyable to watch because the performances are good, the world is interesting, um, it's very clever and and witty and um yeah it's still it's still it's still good and i don't want to sound like it's um it's it's a huge disappointment as if you should only watch the first two and skip this one like it's a it's a really good trilogy if you like both of the first two if you're not one that if you're someone who likes the thrilliness of the first one and is someone who's able to like the more slower deliberate pace of the second one if you're a fan of the series this is a treat Mm. if you're not if you're i I think if you're one that likes the first one but didn't like the second one you'll fucking hate this one or if you're someone that didn't like the first one like the second one you probably won't like this one either this one's for the fans yeah i could see um old mate who complained about the pace of the second one kind of hating this Uh, Actually, hating most of it until right at the end, where see, okay, this is where I, this is something I'd like to talk to you about. What did you think of the whole ending sequence? Um, the ending was kind of where it where it lost me. Um, yeah, I got a bit confused. Yeah, yeah, because it felt like everything was uh, building up to something, right? Yeah. But then, so it feels like everything's built, like, going to be like Pusher 1. Like, everything is building into this uh, final eighth of the film um, where it all comes to complete chaos um, and it's really tense. But instead what happens is a corrupt cop captures this young guy that he's after who was, you know, a threat to him before. And then he has him tied up. He kills the other two young guys who were threatening him and were trying to sell that girl. Um, and then he goes to visit his um, mate, who's the the muscle from the first one. Um, who got out and started a restaurant, which is a nice call back to the first one. Yeah. And then they, uh, they torture the guy that he's got captured. He doesn't have the right information, but they kill him anyway. Uh, and then they, in a really long sequence, they um, make a, a makeshift like butchery in his cafe 
strip the bodies, um, like bleed them out and gut them like pigs. And then he's just like chopping up the guts and putting them down the dispose, the disposal in the, in the drain. And then they yeah. get rid of it, clean it all up. And it's over. And then it's over, which I found, I found it kind of gratuitous and pointless. Right. And <clears throat> it, it really started to bore me at that point because I remembered I was watching it the second time and I'm watching this all happen. And then I'm remembering as I'm watching it. Oh yeah. Nothing happens after this. This is kind of it. So this time watching it, I kind of, yeah, it, it, it let me down more. Because, you know, with the, fir- the first time, I'm sure with you, you had the feeling something could happen, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think it... I- but for me, the second time, I'm kind of like, oh, yeah, this is it. This is where it ends, where this is the climax. Yeah. Them chopping up a body it's like the last, gutting it. The last 15, 20 minutes is just them chopping up these bodies. It's a bit slow. The first two films, I think, go for about an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. This one goes a little longer and it feels a lot longer, specifically in that last quarter of the film. Mm-hmm. It just drags. Yeah. Mm. I mean, you know, I, I think I... It was nice hanging out with old mate, his friend from the first one. It was nice seeing him. Yeah. But again, it's fan service. It's for fans of the first two. Yeah. But, I mean, I think I get what he was going for, but only in terms of the first and the second one that if you're Mm. expecting it to be like um the first pusher where everyone's out to get him and now he's got to figure out a way to to get away or or figure this all out uh you know or the second one where he's just like fuck this i'm out of here i'm just gonna go and live a quiet peaceful life this is this is toxic with my baby um yeah but, um, you know, so he might have expected that people who, have, you know, were expecting either of those things were waiting for this to happen. And he's just tried to subvert your expectations, turn it into almost like a horror film. Like, again, I was waiting for this guy to have either some sort of redemption or consequences. And uh, he just didn't. Uh, he just he just mm. killed these guys and then were treated to him chopping them up for 20 minutes and then he just goes and stands out and looks at his pool it's it's you know it's poetic and it shows in you know it shows off again like that uh what you're saying like that the triangle of the underworld or whatever that this is this guy's life and if you're staying true to that vision then i guess that this is what it is it's just this is a less interesting angle to look at so i don't really know if winding Refn really did anything wrong it kind of makes sense um and i it's just not as interesting as the first it's just not as interesting yeah Uh, do you have um, much else to say about this one um no shall we uh look at some reviews yep so um the most upvoted um except for there's someone that seemed to have wrote their whole life story which i'm not gonna fucking read because fuck that um outside of that the most upvoted is nine out of ten um pusher three crown on the trilogy the third part of nicholas winding reference pusher trilogy is clearly the best 
With each part, Refn's approach becomes more daring and complex. However talented his debut from 96 was, and however innovative the second part was, this part has changed emotionalism that is difficult to beat. Sorry. This third part has a charged emotionalism that is difficult to beat, along with tension and courage. I and the Angel of Death, Pusher 3, focuses on the Serbian drug baron Milo. In early parts, he was an extra, a featured power lurking in the background. He is not some god, grand godfather, and as a middle-ranking boss, he has also been on the decline for some time. Yet he should not be underestimated as an adversary. At first, he seems to allow himself to be trifled with. He spoiled... His spoiled daughter is very demanding in everything on her birthday. His gangster sidekicks have been put out of action by food poisoning as a result of Milo's cooking. This is just a pot description. Our Albanian crooks cheekily try to take over his dealing turf. He obediently attends meetings of addiction addicts anonymous, afraid of returning to his old ways. But don't trifle with Milo or you will come to a bloody end. With this trilogy, and certainly with this part, Refn has not only succeeded in renewing the gangster genre, but also provided it with a new geography. The American mean streets have been convincingly replaced by the multi-ethnic pavement of a Europe that has not yet been given the profile it deserves. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> he's, Maybe he's revived, we're not smart enough. Sorry, he's revived the gangster genre. This shit came out in like 2005, I'm pretty sure a year after it was fully dead i'm pretty sure this came out the same year as the departed right <laughs> you know yeah i don't know where he's coming from with that maybe well, he's saying it's super complex maybe it's too complex that we don't get it yeah i mean i you know i think it i think it probably is quite complex i mean we're, i have fun i have fun trying to undress it yeah. So like with everything. But I'm kind of falling short. Yeah. You know what you I know, mean? Like with everything, I I might be wrong. I might just be a dumbass. I can only Yeah. We can only we can only say what we think, Joe. I think we're both just dumbasses to be honest. That's why so we, we try. That's why we call it movie butts. Yeah, cuz we're just a couple of butts. A couple of pieces of, Butt of fucking a joke. stupid shit. A racist and gay Joe. <laughs> a, ra a racist and a gay. <laughs> okay, so the most upvoted bad review, where are we? Do, 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 do. One, it's sunk to low. It's common knowledge that then when... Oh, okay, so I'm going to read this phonetically. I'm going to read this exactly how it was written. Please so do. if it's poorly written, if it sounds shit, it's because it's written shit. Yeah. That's also when I stammer, when I'm reading something out loud, and if it doesn't have punctuation, I kind of freak out a little bit. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm like, Ugh. Uh, It's common knowledge that when sequels and the likes are made, they never quite live up to the original's reputation. And in the case of the Pusher trilogy, this proves truer than ever. The first was a massive shock, reached cult status, and still bears ground. Part two and three, however, gets worse by the second. I think this might be the same guy. Um, <laughs> the director, Nicholas Wining Refn, must be laughed must be laughed his socks off at the people who spent money watching this drivel. He even openly told the public from the start that these two movies were only made to earn him the money he lost on his American project, Fear X. But it shows so clearly because their two films are not enough through at all. What? 
not thought through at all. Worst, however, is the case with part three. It is so obvious that the director was looking for something this film would be remembered by. And, and what is it? Is some very explicit scenes of a dead body getting halal butchered and then put in a garbage disposal. Going from a good realistic drama, part one, to a poorly made splatter film, part three, is not the right way to go. So many people claim this true, this film is true to nature, but obviously they never experienced the drug environment in Noriboro. This is exaggerated and openly tributes extreme violence. Uh, it is no, no wonder the youth of today is getting so mixed up with people like Ref and cheering them up, putting them putting more and more fire on the stake. Shame on you, Refn, and please stop here. Don't make part four as you've already threatened to do one out of ten. Only because a zero wouldn't change anything. Oh, damn. This guy's pissed off. Yeah, he's really angry. That's Film Creek 5. He must um, love the first pusher then. Yeah. And just, and just wanted... Part two and three to film. be, yeah, the same, same shit. Um, I don't uh, disagree with everything he's saying here. Mm. Um, that there's one part, um, he, where he says that it becomes a bit of a splatter film. Um, I do kind of understand where he's coming yeah, from. Yeah, when, when he said, when he said he was... Like. Like that, he was looking for something for this one to be remembered by. I was like, okay, I can see that actually. That he was kind of like, uh, how do I liven this one up? It's a bit dull. All right, let's. We'll let's... have them fucking cut them up and shit. Mm. But I, but I still think it works because he's the most. He's the most fucked guy out of the three protagonists of the trilogy. Yep. If anyone was going to do it, it would be him. Yeah, no, I agree completely. Um, also, I find it interesting that this person has the wherewithal to think about... Like, maybe he has a preloaded disposition for these because he knew that Refn made these because he was in financial strife. Yeah. Cause so maybe he kind of couldn't get past that. I, I also know. love it um, in reviews when people direct when when they directly address the maker. What shame on you, Refn. Yeah. Hey, don't you dare <laughs> make part four. This is a warning. <laughs> hey, I don't think Refn's read this review. I'll see that on um, video game reviews on YouTube. When um, at the end of the review, I watched one for Resident Evil 3 recently and the guy looked into the camera and he's like, Capcom, here's what you need to do from here on in to save this series. And it's like, you actually think that they're going to take this on board. I have to deal with that every day. Wrestling fans are the worst at that oh like they think that thinking that their idea is the best idea they think that vince like, mcmahon is just like scrolling through facebook posts looking for advice yeah yeah <laughs> it's fucked it just does my head in i think with me i've told you about my experiences in the internet wrestling community they're fucking they're worse than star wars fans let's just put it out there i can imagine worse than star wars fans i can imagine anyway um 
how many uh how many farts out of ten are you gonna give this this baby? Um eight out of ten farts for eight out of ten Pusher three. The worst of the trilogy, but uh, a really good really good film. Yeah, I'm going seven out of ten farts. Um yeah, just it's good. I like it. I'll watch it again. This is something I will watch again. Um because mm. I like a Milo and but I'll probably watch it alongside the first two. Like, this isn't one I'm going to watch on its own. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you know... Probably watch two, and then I'll want to watch three. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like, I would sit down to watch Pusher 1 again, and then I'd feel inclined to watch two, and then there's no way I wouldn't just put three on. Yeah, yeah, I'm the same. Um, So, now it's your turn to suggest what we're watching next week. What do we? What's on the menu for us next time? Um, I was thinking that we could watch some movies from the Alien series, best and the right, worst. Right. So of that crap. The best and worst of that. Interesting. I'm not sure what the best will be. Does this include Prometheus or just Alien? Mm, oh shit! Should we work that out now? Do we include? Do, okay. I think we should just. If we include, I think it should just be. I think it should just be the original. Actually, because the fucking se- pre- Prometheus sequel is called Co- is Alien Covenant. Yeah, because then we have to include Alien Covenant. But then if you include Alien Covenant, you have, have to, to include, include Prometheus. Prometheus. Do we also include Alien vs Predator? No. Yeah, I don't think so either. I'm boycotting Alien vs Predator and Alien vs Predator 2 Requiem. I boycott those films. Official, I don't want to watch Alien vs Predator 2. Officially I, non-canon. I yeah, they're non-canon. They're not canon. Um, so we're doing Alien. Uh, I don't know if Alien or Aliens will win this, to be honest. I reckon Alien. You think the first one? Yeah, it just seems like... I think Aliens is a better film. but but No, 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 no. But like the math. Like the critical math. Yeah, because I just think you know that, I mean? you know, it's it's the more it's the more wanky opinion to have to say that Alien is actually better than Aliens because Fuck off. Alien is better. Uh, the first one is better. It's a fucking awesome sci fi horror movie. You think that, so proof lies in the pudding. Excuse me. <laughs> Fuck you, cunt. Excuse me. <laughs> What are you saying? You're like the working man. You're the blue collar one of the two of us, and I'm the fucking wank cunt. Is that what you're getting Hell at? Yes. I love. Oh, that's off. awesome. Your silence was amazing there. I just fucking made your head spin. You're the worst. I hate you. Do you want me, I'm going to call Dwayne back. I'm going to do the next one with fucking Dwayne instead of don't. you. Don't. You know how weirdly that annoys me. Why? I don't know. <laughs> just throughout my whole life. Um, the, when when people want to like bug me, they, they, everyone just seems to go to Dwayne. <laughs> well, you didn't seem to react when I called you Dwayne the other day. Yeah, because I try not to. I don't want to give it any any bait. You know, if I if I well, if I let you know that it works, then you do it. Well, you fucking have now, yeah. so you've uh, shot yourself in the foot. See, I'm a anyway, anyway, next uh, next week we'll be watching the best and worst of the. Uh, alien series including prometheus and prometheus 2 let's actually i don't want to call it prometheus 2 alien covenant yeah it's called um alien covenant. thanks for thanks for listening bye bye, bye.